So this is a really interesting interview. It was impromptu. I was in Montreal over Christmas seeing the fam and I've met Taya before. I've met her a bunch of times and we were all having Christmas together and we started chatting and she has so many wonderful stories and I was like, I need to record these. I need to talk to you. And it took a little bit of convincing. So this interview was done in my aunt's back room. Um, so it's a little noisy. The audio is not great, but I was so glad I caught Taya just before I left. And she, she was grateful enough to sit down and chat with me about her life in the last 80 years. She turned 80 recently. She's our oldest bird. She is. It was fascinating to listen to. I think the thing that threw me the most was that she has this fairly new love in her life that she met when she was 76. And it, I mean, not gives me hope because I'm married now, but it's nice to see that you can get, as you get older, you can still find new things and again, sort of change your life a little bit, welcome in something completely different and new. Totally. And I think that's a really good point, especially around the love and the women and things like that. And, you know, Taya, I think, is unique, especially for her generation. She has never been married. She doesn't yeah. have any children. She's very close with her family, but, yeah, never had a family of her own. So, you know, she talks a little bit about that and how, you know, culturally it was, you know, people would look that at her and be not like, the thing. what is your deal? And she had, obviously, relationships here and there, but she said she never felt a love on this level before. And like, like you said, it happened at 76. So they've been together four years and you know, still going strong. And she talks about, you know, how she was this independent woman for so long and how you kind of make those compromises when you're in a relationship. I thought that was super interesting. Cause I think for both of us, we were single for very long periods of time, super singles, as I heard they were called in an interview the other day. I loved hearing her talk about that compromise you make after being independent for so long the way you do things and the friends you have and the hobbies you have and what you do with your time and the compromises in a good and bad way you make when you start a relationship with somebody totally i mean not only that but taya has such an interesting story she was born in poland i think she was about five when they were basically had to move to italy uh because her dad was i don't know she gets into the details of that but something with like the war and things that were going on um, and then she really kind of grew up between Rome and London um, and she talks about how she never really fit in either of those places and then she um, moved to Montreal and she's lived there since the 70s. One thing she does not say in the interview which she told me um, in over dinner uh, was that she did teach Roger Moore Italian at one point. Oh, so that was a, a bit of fact. claim to fame. Yeah, so this is a really interesting conversation with Taya, who is a very close part of my family. I loved it. Uh, aging does bring its, um, uh, disadvantages you know especially when things begin not to work so well uh, in your memory I have difficulty now with names uh, sometimes a face that I know quite well suddenly it's blocked the name is blocked mm -hmm. um, 
But apart from that, I, I'm, I'm fortunate in that I have good legs and I can still walk. Yeah. You know, I mean, ever. And dance. Yeah. And, uh, ah, you know, you notice little things that are not going quite as they should be. Do you think it's sub just a consci conscientious way of taking care of yourself, or is it genetic? Is it? I I have been going to the Y, on and off three times a day. Three times a day. Uh, I'm sorry, sorry, not three times. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> more like two times, twice a day a week than than more. It should be three times. I try not to eat fatty things. Uh, just common sense, really. I'm not on. A, I'm not a foodie fanatic. I eat lots of salads and try to avoid meat, which I don't particularly care for anyway. Uh, I'm beginning to drink a little bit more than I used to. That's because my partner uh, has a very well stocked bar, <laughs> <laughs> so we have an apéro, which I really shouldn't shouldn't indulge in. But, uh, but you know, yeah. what the hell? You gotta enjoy things. Yeah. Well, speaking of your partner, that is something that I really want to hear about. So, mm -hmm. you recently celebrated your 80th birthday. Yeah. And you told me the other night that you fell in love four years ago. Yes. For the first time. The previous loves were not of the same depth and quality, caring so much for the other person and not be me, 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 you know, are very different. It's, I suppose it's a mature love. So. Uh, but at the same time, I still need to have my life because I have much more, many more interests. Uh, he is burnt out. Uh, he was a professor of microbiology, um, had two wives, both died on him. Uh, yeah. And uh, he's not... He lacks curiosity, whereas I'm really blessed with being curious. I don't retain very much anymore, but I do. I am curious. Uh, I suppose like a child who, who's, you know, who's being told a story. So I want to know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did that surprise you when you fell in love or when you met him? Uh, what 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 surprised me? That feeling. Of falling in love with somebody? Uh, well, yes, I, I, I didn't quite believe it. I thought just because he's been nice to me, you know. <laughs> no, no, but he's, he's transparent. I've never met a guy who is so upfront about anything and everything, what he wants to say. He doesn't know how to lie, which is very strange. <laughs> And it's growing deeper and deeper. I I do spend weekends with him, um, but then I'm I'm wanting to get in touch with my friends, and I and I understand that I need to concentrate on him. And then when I'm away from him, I say, oh, and I miss him in bed. <laughs> yeah. How? Have you changed or evolved in those four years, especially having been so independent for so long that, you know, once you get into a very intimate relationship, there's a lot of... It was difficult. It was difficult. And it still is difficult because I know he needs me because he, he's what, my career of the generation, so he can't read. 
uh, and so, and he, but he doesn't want, he still wants to be, do things on his own, but sometimes they, he needs help, you know. But to go back to your question, um, yes, I have. I used to be much more self-centered and, and me, me, me. Uh, not in a necessarily a, a um, to the detriment of others, but you know you live your life um, most of my life alone. So you develop friends, you develop hobbies, you develop all sorts of things that don't necessarily have space for a, for another person. So you have to give up things that you used to necessarily want because you, you build a sort of a security system around you. Uh, and that has had to go, uh, some of it. I, I'm not letting go of everything yeah. yet. But. but is that sort of okay? Is it almost like, well, I, I've had all of those things for myself for so long that, you know, I can give it up? No, you have to sort your priorities when there's another person in your life. Uh, but he understands that I have a life outside of him because only, she's only seven years older than I am. But it's just that this lack of, he was so concentrated on his job, uh, on his work, that he didn't develop, apart from music, he's quite knowledgeable in, about music. His second wife was a powerhouse. She's a Quebecois uh, who learned, who got a certificate in Russian at McGill. She was French and English had that. She read German. She had a whole series of Donna Leon's mystery books all in German and Russian. So, I mean, she's, you know, and, and she, oh no, 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 the important part was that um, when they got married, she went back to school and got a degree in aeronautic law. My God. And she, she was a powerhouse. Wow. And I, and the two of them, I, I cannot understand how they fitted in together because she was so organizational and so on. And so, this is a man who's always lived with somebody, and so he, he's, he's needy in a way, and some of those needs I, I, I can answer, but I can't be with him the whole time. Both of us are people who um, are not initiators. If you start to talk to me about something, I will respond, but I'm not an initiator. I think that my mind is rather lazy, and so it doesn't. No, it doesn't produce. And so we live on on the music that we go to, some of the films that we look at. And he he needs intellectual stimulation and I can't give it to him. That's something that I can't give him. I want to ask you, so because you said you made a conscious decision to not be married when you were younger, right? <sighs> There was somebody with whom I wanted to have a child, but that didn't work out. No, I just wasn't interested in anybody. I was interested in me. Uh, <laughs> you know. Well, what kind of pressures were you under from society, culture, people who were saying, why are you married? Uh, it was awkward sometimes when I was younger and I was fairly attractive. Uh, the wives of friends would be a, a little bit wary. Uh, and then it got to the point where I just got reconciled that I'm not going to have a partner in, in life, although 
it would have been nice to come home and somebody to wag with his tail at me. <laughs> so I couldn't even feed the dog because of the setup. But uh, it would have been how nice to you? share something with, you know, with, with other people, with somebody else. How old were you when you reconciled that? Oh, um, I don't think I actually decided at any point. It just sort of slipped in. I had various affairs, some of them a bit more serious than others, but um, no, no. I, I valued my independence too much, I think. Did you ever question your worth or whatever? Did you ever think, oh, why does why haven't I met somebody? What's wrong with me? No, well, you say with his worth, uh, my father put me down. And several times, and I can't count now, but maybe about two important times, I got dumped. And so I built a wall around me and said, okay, that's it. You know, don't want to get hurt anymore. Do you look back on that and, and think, ah, oh, why? Why did I do that? Who cares, you know? No, I do regret for not having been kinder to some people who were, there was a few, a couple of guys who would have, who were serious. I, I was scared. And what about not having children? I would have been a terrible mother. Really? I think I would have been. People say, no, no, you'll grow into it, but too self-centered, I think, at the beginning, not now. And now I see it would be nice, it would have been nice to have somebody to, to cuddle and to, to love and to give. As the giving came late in my life. Well, do you think that came from your My childhood? mother was a very generous and kind person. And so my brother, my father was not so... And you were, because you were born in Poland. Yes. At the age of four, we ended up in Italy because my father was a persona non grata in Poland because the Germans, he wrote against the, the very jingoistic, against uh, the Russians, and he wrote against, he was very, very nationalista. Mm -hmm. uh, and so he had to, he had to go. So he escaped together with somebody else via Romania, ended up in Italy where they had friends. And it took, I think, three years before he was able to get my mother and, and uh, four of us out. I had a sister who had leukemia, who eventually died in '44. My elder sister entered the convent, and my 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 brother went into the army. So I got left with, um, and the other sister died. So I got left with elderly parents arriving in England, knowing nobody, going to be getting sent to a. A boarding school, a very nice boarding school, uh, and being called the foreign girls, where we didn't fit in. We were about three or four Polish girls, a Belgian and a Guatemalan. And this was after Italy, you went to England? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. So I, I always felt abandoned in a way, you know, and that contributed also to the, to the weariness of getting involved uh, deeper. Mm -hmm. with somebody. And you said well, the other night when we were talking you said looking to the future especially when you're in boarding school there wasn't like a plan or a goal because everything had sort of been yes put everything had been organized for me yeah did you have something you wanted to achieve or do ever since I was little 
uh, everything was organized for me. So I didn't really have much choice and no, no aim. Everything fell into, uh, into place. Well, yes, when I was living in Rome, I, I could choose you know, the jobs that I was offered because I had languages and so, you know, I, was, I had a green card or whatever for any job. And so I worked for the, the year before the Olympics as a translator, I, I, I was an escort interpreter for various conferences that took place in Rome. But really, I had no ambition, you know, because everything was, had been taken out of my hands. Even at that point, once you were an adult and working? I suppose I had to make choices. Yes, I did. But I don't remember having, thinking, oh, I'm going to do this or that. My serious love affair was not working out, and my brother came uh, for, a, he worked for the ICAO, and he came for a conference with, with his wife. I met her there the first time, and uh, I, had, I told him the story. He said, you know, come to Canada, it's a big, big country, nobody knows you, because Rome is really, you, you, you move in circles, there's this group and this group, that group. And, and so I was being told, oh, I saw him with so-and-so. They didn't want to know, no, because it was just a small provincial, I mean, it's not a provincial town, but it, it definitely has levels of, you know, people, and so you're in that group. And so, so, so I came to Canada, and it was such a culture shock because it was so different. It was a 63 before the Olympics, before uh, Expo. So I went back to London, and there I, I, I went up, up for jobs. I put an ad in the Times and got a job in, <laughs> got a job at the university actually, in the Italian department, because they wanted somebody who was Italian. So I was, started off as a secretary then and moved up the ranks. Anyway, so, so that was, yes, that, and I stayed there, was the longest time I stayed in any job, I think it must have been six years. And then, and then, this was after the expo and so on, my mother died, no, my, my father died and my mother wasn't, she was taking an awful long time to sort out through his papers and I said, Mom, I, I have to go. Where was she? In London. She was living with her, with her sister. So I, Casper, my brother wanted, my brother, <laughs> uh, offered to have her in Canada, but she wouldn't, she stayed in Anyway, then so she died, and then I came here the second time. And, and then that was it, you stayed different. in Montreal since then? Okay. The second time you came? Yes. That was, you stayed ever since? Yes. Yeah. yeah, that was in 78, 79, something like that. So wow. I've been here since then. Missing London, really, or England. Because I went back to Italy several times with my, to see my friend, but it wasn't, if you don't live in a city, it's not your city anymore, because things change, you're not au courant of things and so on. I had some good friends, and, uh, and good friends in, in England as well. One has just developed Alzheimer's and I'm devastated. It's too close to home. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like Montreal is your home, or London? No. I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel I belong anywhere. Uh, you know, born in Poland, when I go back to Poland, everybody speaks Polish, it seems kind of strange. 
or it was not down because I've been going back frequently. I don't know, it's very difficult when you live chunks of your life in different cities, you absorb uh, what's, what's best or you remember what's best and then if you go back it's not quite the same so it's difficult to say, I mean I can't leave Canada because I have my, my family and my, my, my data here so I could go back to England uh, and get the pension that the English get because if you're an expat and you're living in Commonwealth countries your, your pension is frozen, your English pension is frozen at the rate at which you received it. I mean I feel like I'm in a similar boat in that the last 10 years I've lived in four different cities, London, Montreal, New York, LA, and I'm about to leave LA and I, I constant question for me is that like what is home and where is home you know I grew up in Australia but there's a part of me that rejects Australia and then there's a part that loves it mm. but then I think well yeah where do, where do I go what am I looking for what is the home mm-hmm. and then if home is the people then I have friends everywhere I have home everywhere you know so I, I, I sort of I don't know well, yeah, I, I can understand that. Yeah. Yes, I don't know what what it is that we look for or are expecting to find. Why are you moving? Um, initially, it was for um, a, just a dream to experience New York. That was the reason I left Australia, and I made a plan to to put myself in a place that could position me in New York as best as possible. So I go to London to get some experience, world experience, especially coming from Canberra. I felt, how can I go from Canberra to New York, you know? (laughs) So I go to London to experience London to get international experience. And then I came to Montreal because I felt I wasn't in a position to be in a good place in New York, coming from where I had professionally Mm -hmm. in London. And I was really fortunate here in Montreal because I got an amazing job that really set me up for a job in New York. Oh, so without wow. that, I couldn't, I didn't think it would have gone so well. And then LA happened by accident. LA was a work transfer. And even though I had often liked the idea of living in LA and I had always been obsessed with America growing up. So this dream of living in New York or LA was like, oh my God, just like a movie, mm-hmm. you know? So I took that opportunity and, and that's it. And actually, I lost my job just before Christmas. Oh, yes, you said. Yeah, so I had already started to get an itch of like, well, I don't know if I want to stay in L.A. I don't know, if, even though I just bought a place and like where to next. And I always felt at home in London. And there was something about London that always drew me back. So when I lost my job, my initial, my immediate thought was like, well, that great. This is my opportunity to shed this mm-hmm, it's a great excuse mm-hmm. and get something new experience and yeah. start yeah go on the road again travel yeah. maybe end up in london fortunately i have a boyfriend who's willing to do that with me for the first time i don't have to do that alone you know do you share the same in intellectual interests yeah i think so i think he, i think he's a lot smarter than me <laughs> intellectually mm-hmm. so that's very stimulating Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it, I, I guess I, I'm bringing it back to this home, home and 
I get the thought of moving is exhausting, but then I always get to a point of like, okay, well, time to go, you know. Restlessness, yeah. No. So when did the party break up? What do you mean? The wedding. We, we, Taya, we're not talking about the wedding. <laughs> Oh. We're gonna go back to it. We're still talking. Yeah. Doing it. <laughs> you said a conversation. Yeah, I know. But um, I just want to do, take it back because we can start wrapping up as well. Looking back on your life now, what do you think or feel when you look back? Oh, I see mistakes. I see mistakes. Uh, waste of time. Superficiality. Um, not proud of it. Not proud of your life as a whole or moments? Well, I'm told that I have achieved things, but I have no idea what. Um, I was given that the institute at McGill, where, I, where I've been going for 20 years now, they've instituted a new category and it's the, the volunteer of the year. And I was given that title. There's a plaque there somewhere, so I'm the first one. Wow. I have to tell you that it was the most embarrassing moment because I was so so taken aback that I that, that I didn't say, I should have said that this is an honour, so I'm totally unprepared. And I, my mind works slowly. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so that was, yeah, it was very nice. Yeah. So you feel a sort of, I don't know, when you say that you look at those mistakes, it feels like a little unease or, I don't know, you're not, it doesn't sound like you're at a place to be like, well, reconciled with the path. I think it's very difficult to get rid of the way that your parents, parents' attitude towards you, because we were five and I was the youngest of the five and my my brother obviously is very, very with it still, although he's 19. My sister died at 82. That I was just mm -hmm. uh, to translate, that's your stupid. You oh, don't sorry, understand anything. You're stupid, you don't understand, you don't know. And that had a terribly strong impact on most of my life. So I'm, I'm sometimes, even today, hesitant to open my mouth because I might say the wrong thing. That's a terrible burden, you know. So I, I tend to just hope for the best. <laughs> if you could go back and see yourself at 30 or meet yourself at 30, what would you tell yourself? Get your act together. Make decisions yourself. Don't just through floating with the current, which is pretty much what's really happened in my life. I really didn't make decisions very much. I, of course, I can't remember now very much. I know I had to, I wanted to work at the university and not in some uh, company or anything, because I liked the academic milieu. So when I came here, I, I applied at the university for it. So I got a job being chief invigilator for French and anyway, so I got a job temporarily and then I worked at the Department of Anthropology. And then because they knew of my conference background, you know, worked in conferences in, in Rome, 
they they asked me to join the continuing medical education which actually organized conferences in the downtown hotel so i took that on by myself and then it i grew with the job and the job grew with me because when i retired there were three of us and so but it was just too tired i mean i didn't wasn't interested anymore i couldn't do the job with my eyes closed and it was getting boring so then looking ahead at the future and maybe even taking into consideration this of like make decisions and whatnot is there something that you want to achieve or something you're looking forward to doing for i want to make dita happy and i know that he's happy with because i'm in his life uh, and he's happy when I'm with him, but he leaves me enough room to be that other self that's interested, curious, and does things. It's a difficult thing to juggle because I know that he needs me more than I need him. Not emotionally. I mean, emotionally, it's something that's wonderful because he really does love me very much. And I bask in this love. And I try to be as much a giver as I could possibly can, but there's only so much that I can I can give, you know. Well, that's it. I think we can end it there. Yeah. Okay.